0: You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And this week we are discussing the ninth episode
1: of the second season of Orphan Black, things which have never yet been done. That strange grammatical arrangement there. I think it's not not grammatical, but boy, is it weird.
0: I think a lot of people have been having issues with the episode titles this season,
1: They're hard. They're hard. This one comes from the aphorism section of the New Organon, and the full sentence in which it appears is just as confusing. It would be an unsound fancy and self-contradictory to explain that things which have never yet been done can be done except by means which have never yet been tried.
0: I believe that last part of this statement is next week's episode title.
1: Which have never yet been tried, that one? Yeah. Means that have never yet been tried, something like
0: that? I don't remember how much of it is next week's episode title, but yes.
1: So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, just just as a warning about spoilers, there are no spoilers for future episodes in this episode. Chris was very nice, even and went through the emails and like took out things that were from the promo. So thank you, Chris. <laughs>
0: You're welcome. Well, if I don't, you yell at me. To be fair, I, well, I don't yell at you. you make I know you sound I'm teasing. so mean. <laughs> You you get upset.
1: You know who I am going to yell at? The promo
0: department? No, I don't know. Who? You don't know? I'm going oh, to yell at Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Yes.
1: I'm going to ma- yell at Rachel because I am so mad at her right now.
0: We are all mad at Rachel right now. And if we're not, we should be. <laughs> I'm like raging. Not to tell anybody how to feel, but be mad at Rachel. <laughs> I'm raging internally at a fictional character.
1: I don't think it's healthy, Chris, but that's what I'm doing.
0: This is how I feel also, except I don't feel that it's unhealthy necessarily. So used to it, am I?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she does, as you put it, a triumvirate of evil actions in this episode. She does. She manipulates and she uses Delphine. Not okay. Not okay. She drugs Felix. Unacceptable. And she kidnaps Kira. How dare she? How dare she? And, I mean, add that to what we see her do to Paul earlier in the season, I know some people have different opinions about that scene, but I thought that was portraying Rachel as a not-very-good person. Added to that, it's just like, I don't know if Rachel can come back from this.
0: Yeah, I don't know that she can. She's she's kind of permanently on my, forgive my language, on my shit list now. I think that is true of many, many people. Because... Again, those three people are like the three people for fandom, especially I mean, you don't mess with those three people.
1: Yeah, I know some people are on the defense about Delphine, but but we love Delphine, a lot of people love Delphine. And then of course Felix and Kira, you just no,
0: you leave them alone. Absolutely. As I think I mentioned in last week's episode, if there is a line you do not cross with Clone Club, that line is Kira. If you mess with Kira, you're toast. Or or really any of the kids. I mean, as much as Gemma and Oscar are sort of not featured, I feel like Clone Club would also be rather protective of them.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They all seem to be very protective of children. But, okay. So I, I do have to step back, even though I'm super mad at Rachel. So mad. And I have to consider, do we have sympathy for her? Because, of course, like all the other clones, she has been manipulated and lied to by the clone experiment. She has been horribly used by the clone experiment. She clearly in this episode seems to have some psychological issues.
0: Yes. So do we have sympathy for her? It's complicated. I I have some sympathy for her. Yes. I feel terrible for her that she's going through these things and I think especially at this point it seems to be going through them alone. Mhm. I wouldn't be surprised if she never had a whole lot of support necessarily. You know, since her parents were horribly murdered as far as she knew, and Leaky, who ordered them to be horrifically murdered, is the one who took her. Uh, You know, it's just, uh, I have, I have complicated feelings towards Rachel, because I do feel bad for what has happened to her. But I don't see any indication from Rachel that she regrets any of the horrible things she's doing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of of the same mind because she was raised self-aware, more self-aware than the other clones were. She knows what this exper how this experiment has used them. She's like be- been better aware of that longer in her life than the other clones have, and yet she's still perpetrating these these actions. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm torn because I do have sympathy for Rachel. She is a clone. Like I said, she's been treated poorly just as all the other clones have, but she's just doing all these horrible things.
0: Well, she's been treated horribly, but she's also participating in treating the others horribly. So, you know, that whole, what, what was, wasn't it one of the earlier episodes she says to, I think it's Leaky that until Sarah comes to heal, Cosima will suffer. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel that bad for Rachel. Because again, she's actively participating in the horror that they're now living through. So,
1: It's interesting, though, to think of Rachel in comparison to Helena. Because at this point last season, I think a lot of us had real sympathy for Helena. Like, really had come to love and appreciate Helena. Weird little assassin psychopath that she was but i don't know that we're at quite that same point with rachel it could be some people have more sympathy for her than others do but i feel like just in the way the show has portrayed her right there's been less of an overt attempt to really humanize and have the the audience sympathize with rachel
0: i agree yeah and especially in the interactions with kira because Helena took Kira. Kira seemed okay with Helena. They're sort of happily having a conversation as they're walking down the street. Kira gives Helena a hug. Helena regrets taking Kira and agrees to let her go back home, which is sort of the opposite of what we just saw with Rachel, Mm -hmm. who has taken Kira by force. And we get that final scene with them in the sort of the child's bedroom, which. Could be Rachel's childhood bedroom. I don't know. But we see Kira move away from Rachel. Yes. And that's never a good sign. No.
1: Again, Kira's really been our gauge as to who we can trust, who we cannot. And the fact that Kira is afraid of Rachel is not a good sign.
0: It's really, really a bad sign.
1: And yeah, I'm curious where exactly Rachel took Kira. Because again, she's in clearly a childhood bedroom. Rachel makes a comment about how maybe you'll even come to like it here like I did. Which insinuates she's maybe even in Rachel's childhood bedroom. But is she at within the dyad somewhere? Is it at a completely different location? And what exactly are Rachel's plans? Because she, especially in this episode, does not seem very emotionally stable, psychologically stable hmm Has she kidnapped Kira to be her own daughter? Has she kidnapped her just for the purposes of the clone experiments? I, I I'm unclear what her motivations are at this at this point.
0: I'm not sure either. Uh I'm not sure we're supposed to be sure. Right. Cause I, I do think she has a few potential motivations because it could be about Diad. It's certainly about Sarah. Now, whether it's solely about Sarah or not, I don't know. Because they've really built up this idea that she resents the hell out of Sarah. I think in this week's interview with John Fawcett that Entertainment Weekly had, I think they do address this a little bit, that that Rachel is jealous of Sarah. And that it's really sort of come to a head at this stage of, of the season, so. I don't know, it's one of those, it seems like it might be Rachel sort of kidnapping Kira as if to adopt her. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's one of those things, I don't necessarily feel like Kira is in imminent danger.
1: No, but this is not a situation that she should be in. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But it's one of those things I'd, I'd feel worse if I thought that there was a good chance that there would be like, scientific procedures and experiments and stuff. I strangely feel like she's safer with Rachel than she is with, say, even if Leaky had taken her. You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know that, but the purely scientific. Does this make any sense at all? I think so. Because we,
1: we see that there's definitely this longing to be a mother in, yes. in Rachel. So I, I agree. I feel like she's probably not going to harm Kira. Right.
0: I I think Rachel could do something crazy, but I don't think that the something crazy would be aimed at Kira. Know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what did you
1: think of the little internal montage we got for for Rachel this week? Disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah. I liked this week's better than last week's. I wasn't really a fan of last week's. They're still not 100% working for me, but I did like this week's better. I thought it was a bit more clear. And the way that it was cut together, that it was in her head and not that it happened later on or something like that.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Because, it, and I do think that it, it confirmed that what we saw last week was just in Rachel's head and not something she actually did.
0: I agree. Yes. And we did get scenes in Leaky's office this week, too. And his office seems intact. So Yeah, all of his experiments seem to still be there. So once again, this episode, Sarah's storyline really revolves around Kira and being a good mother to Kira.
1: And they got some
0: really good
1: scenes in this episode, I thought.
0: Yeah, it's really visceral in this episode, just how much Sarah loves and cares for Kira. Which again, given how the series starts, I think is is nice to see. It's nice that they've been highlighting it, I think, ever since that first episode, just how much Sarah cares about Kira, and I—I I think
1: obviously the biggest moment was in surgery before, just as Kira. Well, I, I just after Kira lost consciousness and she's holding Sarah's hand and 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 crying. I was just oh, that scene got me right in my heart.
0: I think that scene got all of us right in our hearts because, yeah, that was it's a powerful scene. It really is, and so. Well done.
1: But where she's, you know, sobbing and ask, what kind of mother am I? And and Delphine responds, the best of the bravest and a very, very good sister. She's like, oh. <laughs> and I like that that called back to earlier in the episode where Sarah called Kira the bravest after she agreed to help Auntie Cosima. And I really liked the kind of moral dilemma in this moment because we have Sarah who just who clearly cares so much about about Kira, but also cares about Casima. She says to Felix, you know, my sister is dying. I need to help her. Right. But, but you know, this is a, a young girl who can't fully understand everything that goes into recovering from a surgery and, and, and things like that. But I liked the, that they still did ask Kira what she wanted to do in the situation.
0: Yes. I, again, really highlighting Autonomy, Mm -hmm. self-determination, that whole thing. Yeah. Because it is so much a theme, such a prominent theme in the series, the idea of getting to choose what happens to you. And especially since the clones really didn't get that chance. So I like how important it is to everybody that Kira gets to make the decision herself. Even if she may not really know the extent of what's going on. But it's Kira, so who knows? She might. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I also really loved how Sarah responded to Kira's question of whether Casimo is going to die or not. Mhm. Because she didn't over-dramatize it, but she didn't she didn't downplay it either. It was a very matter of fact. Yes, like she's not doing very well, so yes, she might. And and I just thought everything about that scene was so well done, the, the writing and the acting and, and everything. I love Skylar Wexler as Kira. I think she, she does is such so a great,
0: great job. She is. And adorable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As my dad says every time she's on screen.
1: He does. It's <laughs> kind of cute. <laughs> adorable. She's so adorable. <laughs> oh, that kid is so cute. <laughs> I know, Dad. <laughs> but she's not, like, cloyingly cute. She's not trying to be, oh, I'm a cute kid, you know? So, yeah, I think we discussed that before. She's not like precocious. No, she's just the right amount of cute. Yes. But again, we, and I, I also really liked that we see Mrs. S and Sarah really trying to be more collaborative about things in this episode while they're still kind of in opposite camps where Mrs. S wants, wants Kira to have nothing to do with, with Dyad if possible and Sarah being more inclined because she wants to help Kasima. They're not just like, butting heads and and being really at odds with each other as they have been in the past.
0: Right. And of course, I think a lot of that is that it is really, truly about Kira right now. Mm -hmm. And that is the one thing as we've discussed many times. That's the one thing I think everybody agrees on is that Kira's health and safety is above all else. But now there's this big
1: question of what's going to be the fallout, relationship-wise, from Kira's kidnapping.
0: Right. And I've got to tell you, since we were just talking about my dad, my dad has expressed to me that he is suspicious of Mrs. S. Okay. In what regard? I'm not 100% sure why, but... Okay. Well, because she was there when... Rachel, as Sarah, came in and kidnapped Kira. And so he was like, well, she was awfully quick to come up with the answer that Rachel had kidnapped her, you know, when they were in the room and found Felix on the floor and everything. And Mrs. S says, you know, Rachel must have come and taken her. But who else would it have been? That's what Plone I was line. saying. That, that was my <laughs> argument against him. is like, but... Is, 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 like, clearly it had to somebody be a with Sarah's face just came yeah. in. <laughs> Who else do we know that it could possibly have been? Like he's like, oh, I don't know, she was too quick to with that answer, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to argue with my dad when he has made up his mind on something.
1: <laughs> but maybe Mrs. S won't be quite as upset with Sarah because she almost got Kara handed over to the Perlethians not too long ago. Uh, but you know, there's so many people who are invested in Kira's welfare, and I'm wondering how they're all going to react and be involved in getting her back. Because we've got Cal. We haven't seen him for a couple of episodes. Is he going to be drawn back into the story because of Kira's kidnapping?
0: I would think that would be likely.
1: Yeah. We've got Helena, who is has freed herself. She's on her way back to Sarah. And you know she's going to be upset with anybody who would lay an unkind finger on Kira.
0: I am basically 100% expecting Helena to be super awesome in the next episode.
1: Okay. That's your pick on as to what's going to happen is super
0: awesome Helena-ness and (laughs) eyes will be gouged. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised about eye gouging. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm not counting on it, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. I do think that We'll get to this in a second, but... Or in a few minutes. I have Helena theories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, don't mess with Helena's family, right? So there will be flying squirrel attacks next episode, I think. Chokeholds.
1: Eye gouging. I love it. Yes. All her best moves, yeah. And then, of course, we also have poor Delphine. Poor Delphine. And
0: how... Is there anything sadder than a crying puppy?
1: I know. I know. But how are Casima, Sarah, Mrs. S, Felix, how are they going to react to, to Delphine and her accidental role and what happened? Because I, I must admit, I love Delphine. Probably listeners are aware of the fact that Chris and I love Delphine.
0: <laughs> I mean, we love, we hide it so well, though.
1: We love all the characters, <laughs> but you know, we, we do, we, we are Delphine lovers on this show and, I spent a lot of the episode just rooting for her, wanting Sarah and Felix and Mrs. S to trust her, mm-hmm. because she clearly just just wants to wants them to like her.
0: Well, and there was the great scene last episode where she was talking to Kasima, and Kasima said, "You have to love all of us. And Delphine, without hesitating, says, "Then I love all of you. So I think we really see that play out this episode.
2: Mm hmm.
1: And Rachel uses it against her. I know. It hurts so much. Rachel. Anyway. But yeah, I just, I spent so much of the episode rooting for Delphine and, and this is just going to probably set them back so far and as to whether they can trust Delphine or not. I mean, I hope not. I hope there that people see what actually happened and that Rachel totally used Delphine and the fact that she did want to protect the clones against her.
0: Okay, another story about my dad.
1: <laughs> I missed the Mike Kwan show this week, so I'm glad that you're catching me up.
0: Okay, for those of you who don't know, my dad has previously expressed to me on a couple occasions that he does not trust Delphine. And I get that. That's fair. Okay. There have been questions before. I, of course, trust Delphine. I have trusted her since sometime during the hiatus. Anyway. So, let's see. We watched this week's episode, and I'd been reading some of the online commentary and everything, and it dawned on me, I should really check in with my dad on his Delphine perspective, since they made it really clear this week that Delphine is on their side. So I'm like, so you trust Delphine now, right? And Dad's like, no, I still don't trust Delphine. It's like, why? And so his explanation was that she is so naive that she cannot be trusted (laughs) – basically was what it was. Because they she was so easily fooled by Rachel. This is what my dad said, right? So then I asked him, okay, but, you know, what else could she have possibly done upon finding that information? What would you have done? Because if you don't go ahead and tell them what you just found out, you could also be risking people's lives. You know what I mean? Like, what if it was true? Delphine has no way of knowing, and I got him. I got him on that one. <laughs> he conceded my point.
1: Yeah, it was It was a tough spot Delphine was in because I don't think that it would I, – I don't know that it would have occurred to her not to tell them. I can't really see a good reason why she wouldn't want to tell them in well, this instance.
0: Right. I mean, that's absolutely true. That's what I'm saying is that there is only one thing to do, and that is to share information. You know, if you want to be firmly on their side – you know because previously
1: when she's held back information in this season at least it was really because she wanted to help Kasima and in this case there I don't know that there would have been a clear way that this would have benefited Kasima or any of the other clones by sitting on this information so really it's the only thing she could have done yes however <laughs> points off delphine in the spy department. None of the monitors are good spies except Paul. <laughs> because it looks like she took a company limo. I know. To the clinic. But I actually do think that she was probably... Rachel probably had her followed the first time she went there. Mm-hmm. Because Rachel was too prepared. She was dressed too similarly to Sarah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, not
1: to have known... You know, not to have seen sort of
0: generally what she was wearing that day. Right. That was my thought also, was that I had that moment, too, when she goes out and Delphine's there with, like, the driver in the limo. (laughs) And I'm like, this, you know, how is this remotely covert, Delphine? And then maybe I'm, or then I was thinking, well, maybe she's not trying to be covert, because I would think that she would be aware enough of Dyad's practices to probably think that she was being followed anyway. Especially since she knows that something fishy happened with Leaky. I don't think Delphine's that clueless to not be aware that she's under scrutiny, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that Delphine's thinking was probably, well, I'll be out in the open about it and have a private conversation with Sarah because that was, that was how she opened her conversation with Sarah was, you have to, Basically, yeah, don't react too much or they'll know. Basically sort of downplay (laughs) what I'm about to tell you. Be cool, Sarah, which, of course, Sarah can't do. But anyway,
1: yeah, because we did see going back to Rachel knowing what what Sarah was wearing. We did see her like trying on a jacket that looked remarkably similar to what Sarah was wearing. So, you know, it's just I don't know. I feel like she was followed prior to that. So it wasn't the limo necessarily. That was the downfall. But it was a little weird to see her right up in this company limo when she's trying to be all sneaky. <laughs> right.
0: Again, I'm not sure she was necessarily trying to be sneaky about anything other than what she was telling her. Telling Sarah, yeah. Because how can you be that sneaky in a company that like blackmails ex-military guys into doing super shady things? Because I think Delphine at this point is aware of at least some of that aspect of Dyad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So she needs a clone phone. Hmm. They need to induct her into Clone Club and give her
1: a clone phone. That way she could have called and she wouldn't have had to take Sarah out
0: of the room. Yeah.
1: And it was very it was, though, very convenient for for Rachel that she had Sarah like come all of the way out of the building.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess I can kind of see her reasoning because she was probably thinking Benjamin might be right there. Yeah. But it was very convenient for Rachel that she didn't meet her in the lobby or something like that, that she had her come all the way out of the building. The conveniences
0: of storytelling. It is, yeah.
1: But as for Cosima this week, she was mostly just breaking my heart <laughs> with the the little coughs that she was trying to cover up while she was talking to to Scott and Ethan
0: Duncan. I think Cosima's role this week was pretty much being sick and being sassy. Yes. <laughs>
1: And she was delightfully sassy. I-, <laughs> I did enjoy her comment. He's a virgin, if you can't tell.
0: <laughs> and again, it's one of those, Scott has such a great reaction where he just kind of laughs it off. Mm-hmm. Scott's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> Which I've kind of always appreciated about Scott. I was so confused in the first season where... uh Oh, Kasima tells him that his reward is that he can have sex with himself. With himself, <laughs> and Scott just kind of awesome. <laughs> I'm like, <"D-> what? <laughs> I had a moment. I was so confused why Scott was like awesome. <laughs> like, did he not catch what she just said? But you no, know, Scott's just kind of happy to roll with it. Apparently,
1: he's got he's got good looking women who are being friendly with him. Scott can be pretty happy. I think.
0: Yes, actually. <laughs> Come to think of it, that that reminds me of a conversation you and I had where you said something about how you knew that we could be friends when you teased me, and I was okay with it. So maybe that's Scott's mentality—is like, awesome, we're friends because <laughs> you're giving me hard time. He's teasing
1: me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I liked him piecing together pieces of an old computer to be able to read the the floppy disk drives. I was super worried that maybe the discs have gotten like exposed to heat and they weren't going to work. So I was a little relieved when when they actually started to to read correctly. Yes. Because those things, man, they are not exactly, they were not
0: made to last decades. I was trying to think, when was the last time I used one of those floppy disks? I was probably eight, nine, something like that. I think I might have been a little bit older than that. Although that would have been probably about the time you were eight or nine, so...
1: I was going to say, you're a little bit older than I am, so...
0: Just a little bit.
1: But just a little. Tiny <laughs> bit. But yeah, it's been a good 20 years since I've held a floppy disk.
0: I think I was probably in, like, sixth grade. We had some old computers at school.
1: I feel like I had to put in a floppy disk to play Oregon Trail. Yeah. That's in computer lab.
0: Pretty much what I'm thinking of. <laughs> oh, elementary school.
1: <laughs> I know. Actually, I missed Oregon Trail. That was an awesome game. <laughs> But Ethan Duncan, we, we're getting a slow start to the, the gene therapy process, which, you know, it seemed all hopeful last episode with Ethan Duncan, but we're reminded, even if he is able to develop a gene therapy, that is months away from from realization. And he kind of gives an explanation of how they try to design the clones in fertility. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite moment, though, for, for him was where he really stood up. For protecting his synthetic sequences and protecting these women from being, you know, perpetuated mm-hmm. again. I-, I-, I liked that moment for him.
0: And I appreciated that he was mindful of the fact that Kasima was right there and was part of the original group. Yeah. As he says, no offense, Kasima.
1: Yes, I also liked when he really, when he took her hand. Yes. As he was explaining the clone's infertility and was, you know, basically apologizing for her current situation.
0: I appreciated that too, especially since there was the scene with Sarah a couple episodes ago where you were kind of not sure how in touch with reality the guy was. Mm-hmm. Cause he does really seem to have focused up perhaps with yeah, the, he's, he's been very lucid the past couple episodes, right? Perhaps with the newfound sense of purpose, you know, getting to be himself again, as he sort of said last week.
1: But he's really the most human, sympathetic, scientist-type figure that we've gotten on the show. Well... Involved in this experiment, of course. Yeah. Okay. Not... I don't mean Cosima and Scott. And Delphine. And and Delphine. Those who are involved in in the experiment. And I really hope it's genuine. (laughs) I don't know. The insecure Orphan Black fan that I am, (laughs) I'm like, oh no, is he going to turn on all the clones? But I, I really do hope that... That he is genuine and his his concern for the clones and his wanting to correct what he feels was, was a mistake on his part. Yes.
0: I'd say we've seen no indication otherwise. But as you say, it's Orphan Black. And as we're all sort of traumatized by everything that's happened so far, a little caution is probably in our best interest. I hate to say so let's talk
1: about Helena in the in the farming Prolethians. After a couple episodes' absence, she
0: gets quite a storyline this episode. Oh my! And, and and we get to see Catherine Alexandri and her face and her
1: face. Yes, Catherine Alexandri, Tatiana Maslany's double, who plays the other clones in scenes where there are multiple clones. We actually got to see her face this episode. She played the midwife, and it's such a nice face. She's so lovely, and I thought her hair looked great.
0: Yes, I thought it was sort of interesting that they did her hair up in a way that you wouldn't be thinking about her as the clone double or the primary clone double. Because I think they do have other doubles, <laughs> or rather, triples and quadruples. I, I think they do.
1: For in scenes where where there are there are three clones or something like that, they bring in another double. But yeah, because I think if she had had her, da- her hair down, we might have been thinking, oh, she looks a bit like Sarah. But up in the bun, it was it was a good look for her. She looked nice, and, and she looked different from the other clones. Mm-hmm. So that was exciting for her to have her face on screen.
0: Little side note, also in the Entertainment Weekly article with John Fawcett, he said that they'd originally done an audition, I think, with Catherine Alexandrie and were considering having her be Gracie. I was going to say, she might have been a good Gracie. But then I think they decided that Gracie's storyline with Helena was too prominent. Mm -hmm. That they thought it might be a little weird. So they had been looking for something, though, to have Catherine Alexandria and her face on the show. But yes, I liked her as the midwife who (laughs) gets suitably threatened by Helena.
1: I was going to say, and she was used as a vehicle to really have Helena
0: and Gracie start to bond. Mm -hmm. That was so great, the moment where Helena lets the midwife go, (laughs) and Gracie just sort of, like, looks in awe at Helena, like, that was so awesome, (laughs) is what her face said to me in that moment.
1: Yes, like, she appreciated Helena's tendency toward violence when it comes to overbearing authority figures. Yes,
0: excellently put.
1: Because certainly Gracie has seen her share of overbearing authority figures.
0: Yes. It just makes me sad to think about. Yeah. The two of them yeah. and the nasty Proletheans.
1: But it's it's a it was kind of a strange turn for Gracie, given how hostile she was toward Helena. I I don't know that I was necessarily expecting her to be to have harbored quite that much resentment toward her father. I mean, thinking about it backward, it makes sense. But, you know, thinking back to when we first met Gracie, she's just, she seems like a very different, she's at a very different place now.
0: Well, to me, the initial resentment towards Helena was always about how her father was treating her, you know? I mean, some of it was ingrained that Helena was an it and all that stuff. But I don't know, the fact that he seemed to be favoring Helena seemed to be, I think, a lot of Gracie's resentment, I gather. That's fair. Plus, I think the fact that Gracie and Helena are now in the same position within the Prolethean community has maybe helped some. Because, I mean, now Gracie has to spend time with Helena, basically. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, will will humanize someone. And I thought it was another it was a great little
1: touch of the show that we get yet another conversation between two men sort of discussing these women's fates where we see Hedrick and Mark having a conversation about how, you know, oh, it's time for Gracie to bear fruit.
0: Ugh. If there's any phrase that upsets me, it is that phrase. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but it just that phrase just drives me crazy. Anyway.
1: But yeah, so he he makes that comment and then asks Mark if he's willing to stand by her as her husband. And, you know, just clearly going around Gracie in this matter.
0: And the thing, too, about this scene is that at the opening of the scene, Gracie comes in and, like, pours them both drinks. And then she's dismissed. Dismissed. And then they have this conversation about Gracie. And it makes me mad and want to punch them both in the face.
1: We also get a very strong sense in this episode that women in this community are pretty much only valued for their fertility, uh, so much so that we hear we hear Helena referred to, referred to these women as broodmares, and and Gracie even adopts that language later in the episode.
0: Yes, and it is one of those things. To me, this whole thing kind of reinforces. In case you didn't get it earlier, it's a cult, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Henrik seems to be the father of the kids. I mean, I don't know with the existing kids, but clearly he's fathered Helena's future children, which, you And again, he says something about, I forget how he phrases it now, but he basically says that it's God's intention or God's will or whatever it is he says. And anytime somebody says that it's God's will and they're referring to them doing something like that. I just... So upset with Henrik. (laughs) As I think we are supposed to be. Well, obviously. Yeah, obviously. But I just, you know, Henrik and his... It's God's will that I have used my own genetic material to, you know, further our group and our cause. Because, of course, God wants it to be me.
1: Not only... It's God's will that I removed this woman's ovum without her consent and fertilized them with my genetic material. Like, yes, clearly that was exactly what God said to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) God also told me to impregnate my daughter with said fertilized ovum. Ew. 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 So I'm like hesitant to talk about
1: What happens to Henrik? (laughs) Because it's horrible. It's violent. You know, it's this horrible, violent sexual assault. But at the same time... Deserved it. I might have been laughing hysterically while it was happening. And I think this makes me a terrible
0: person. (laughs) I am also a terrible person because I was laughing like Helena through that entire sequence. And yes, I feel a little bad for it, but come on, that guy's the worst. And, you know, it was
1: a very much, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It was very much hitting us over the head commentary of how what Henrik has been doing to these women, specifically to Helena and Gracie, but also these other women, is is equivalent to what Helena does to him. It, it very much reversing the roles here and, and showing us exactly how bad this this whole thing has been. And so, you know, it was clearly making a point. But at the same time, and it, it again, horribly violent thing. People should not do these things to each other. But again, laughing hysterically, especially with the pipe part. Because where,
0: because it's fiction. Let's yeah, put a okay. qualifier on this. You and I would not okay. be laughing if this was something that was actually happening. no. But because it's on a TV show and we've seen Henrik do, I'm going to go ahead and say worse stuff than this, or at least equivalently bad stuff, but multiple times. So I'm laughing hysterically and saying, deserved it. (laughs) Deserved worse.
1: I was really trying not to laugh. I was really trying not to laugh. I wasn't even trying. But when it got to the point where... where He says something to the effect of, okay, this isn't funny. And it cuts to Helena with a pipe in her mouth all, you know, what does she say?
0: Do I look like I'm trying to be funny?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I started laughing hysterically. (laughs) And I feel really guilty.
0: I do not feel guilty. Again, because it's fiction. Because it's fiction and Henrik is awful. And I was thinking about this earlier. I kind of wonder if Helena wouldn't have done this, if not for the exchange she has with Gracie. Because Gracie basically, or from Gracie's response to what has happened, Helena, I think, gets sort of a reality check about what's actually going on. And the fact that Gracie isn't a willing participant. And I think that's why Helena does that to him. I think it. I think she did it for Gracie. Hmm. At least a little bit. Just me.
1: No, I, I think that that's completely fair. i I think for sure what Gracie tells her puts a completely new perspective on things for Helena so
0: so I can I can see that. I really love that exchange she has with Gracie because we once again see Helena being really compassionate, I think, which is interesting again, considering how they introduced Helena <laughs> And then, like we've been hoping, Helena destroys it all.
1: Yay! But I'm wondering because she set fire to all the buildings. Does I I don't think she would perfect purposefully harm children.
0: Uh, it has been said. I think they either they either filmed or were intending to film. I can't remember. Either way, it got cut for time. There was a scene in which Helena frees the children. So okay, yeah, I feel
1: better because I really don't see Helena purposefully harming children.
0: I think there was also a tweet from, I think it was Graham. Graham Manson tweeted something about uh, no children or goats were harmed. (laughs) Well, that's good. That makes
1: me feel better. But it was very satisfying to see Helena look over her shoulder to see the, all the buildings burning and her carrying her, her cooler
0: of her eggs. Yes. Oh, okay. So here's the rest of my Helena theory for next episode. Oh,
1: okay. okay. Possibly
0: because we see her carrying the container with her, Presumably fertilized ovum, which, of course, is a great source of stem cells, embryonic stem cells. Mm-hmm. So that could also help with Cosima's treatment next episode.
1: Yes. I think that that's a good theory, though I don't know how Helena will exactly feel about that.
0: I don't know either. I've I've been contemplating that.
1: Because I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that Cosima would ask Sarah to donate her her ova to generate stem cells, embryonic stem cells. Right. I don't see her asking that. But, but Helena conveniently
0: has some has, ready to go. Has some ready to go. Right. Plus there's Gracie wandering around, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Plus Helena reaffirms Gracie's autonomy because she tells her, you don't have to carry my babies if you don't want to.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to see Gracie and or Mark again because Helena clearly let them go. Mm-hmm. And Mark did seem rather, the shine had come off of Henrik uh, quite a bit after Mark had realized what he did to to Gracie. So I'm wondering if we'll see them again and where exactly their allegiance might lie and if they might fit into the stories at some point in the future.
0: Right. I think Mark, to me, is one of the real wild cards at this point, because I'm not sure ultimately where his allegiance is going to fall. It seems like he's loyal to Gracie, Mm -hmm. but... I don't know. It's one of those, if if greater matters of faith come in, I don't know what's going to happen. You know?
1: Because we also learn in this episode that he went AWOL from the military. Mm-hmm. Which is a nod back to Paul's question in, to how nature and her wanderings, when he was tracking Helena so well that Paul didn't realize that he was there, Paul asks him basically, you know, what special ops were you in in the military?
0: The Boy Scouts. And he gives...
1: Yeah, he gives a, a cheeky comment about the Boy Scouts. So he has military training, and we've seen how the military has been – elements of sort of the military has been important in the storytelling. So I'm wondering if he might have a, a place in the story in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: so many – so many possible ways the story could go. It makes me nervous, but excited. Okay. So now we get to talk talk about
1: probably the best
0: part of the episode. Allison and Donnie. It was so great. And so, just so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They were just
1: absolutely delightful from beginning to end. I loved their marital disagreements they were getting into about how to wrap Leaky's body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you stop whipping it in my face.
0: (laughs) And the sort of consulting like should we go this way or this, this way, way? <laughs> or this
1: way I think we need to go diagonal with it <laughs> and then Allison with her pink duct tape
0: and patterned shower curtain. <laughs> uh, the the protective ear things that they use yeah to for- I liked
1: that they made a made a appearance again because we saw those on the gun range
0: in the first season yeah their makeshift gun range yep
1: and Yeah, they're, they're really out in a field. I'd say gun range. They're out of a field. But, but yeah, cause Sarah had the yellow ones and Allison had the pink ones, of course. And we, those get a, a reappearance
0: <laughs> because they're, they're trying to use a jackhammer on the garage floor, but Donnie's just not able to get it to work right. And so Allison, of course, <laughs> let me do it and sort of has that, that look. Oh, what would you call that look that she gives Donnie?
1: It's just very much... I don't, I don't even
0: know how to describe it. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like a this is how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> sort of exa- a There we go. Exactly. And just like immediately goes right to it. And it works perfectly. And I laugh hysterically because you'd think that Donnie being approximately twice the size of Allison would have a better handle on a jackhammer. But no, uh, Allison's... Allison's got this. Allison's will is mighty. And... <laughs> Oh, man.
1: I also really liked when when Donnie's big plan was to dump Leaky's body in a lake, weighted down, that Allison's response was, Have you ever seen Dexter? I mean, random scuba divers are finding everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a comment somebody made that Allison watching Dexter makes everything make so much sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, just the and Donnie even calls her on it Allison's complete cool about dealing with all of this and Donnie being kind of a more normal human being and being disturbed by the fact that you know they're wrapping up a dead body to put in their deep freezer temporarily until they can bury him under their house you know somehow that makes him weak or something (laughs) but I also love their I had the sense to leave her where she fell he was in my car (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't really an option for Donnie there. (laughs) (laughs) But this argument that, you know, she dealt with her accidental homicide
0: way better than he did. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I did also see a comment, something like, uh, Orphan Black, the show where accidental murder saves marriages. That's what it was. Saves marriages, for sure.
1: Though, I feel like... It, 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 yes, the accidental murder played into it, but I feel like more Donnie's handling of Vic and Angie was what really cemented the deal. Oh, that was so great. I th- <laughs> because I, I, I thought of you while I was watching because you had mentioned how Allison probably very promptly gave Donnie a lecture about gun safety.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. And Donnie had the safety on this time when he was threatening Vic. I was a little worried. And then he said that, and I I sort of did like a little cheer as I was watching, mostly internally. But I have to say, I really felt sorry for Vic in this episode. Vic is just sort of perpetually other people's pawns, it seems like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I really did love his line about hating this garage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard at that. I did, too.
1: (laughs) But I do kind of wonder what his strategy was when he marched into their house and was all, we need to talk, Allison. Yeah, what? That was a, that was kind of a strange scene.
0: Of course, apparently Angela had sort of instructed him to do it. Maybe she wanted a confession on, on tape. Maybe he was, well, well, because she was sitting in the van. So it would imply that he was wired or something, maybe, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Or it could be that maybe she was just trying to get them scared into doing something.
0: Yeah, could be.
1: I don't know, but I I was I was kind of unclear on what the purpose of him marching into their house the first time was.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't know. But it things got pretty great once Donnie decided that being forceful was how he was going to deal with things. And and he marches into the van and <laughs> it just tells tells angie you do not want to know what we know there are 11 (laughs) essay oh donnie but again i i loved christian brun in this episode i thought he was fantastic i especially loved when he told told both angie and vic to have a shitty day
0: (laughs) yes that was a really really great scene. And that was a fantastic scene. He got scene. out of the van and I'm like, "Hey, Donnie found his spine." Yeah. <laughs> cool. Donnie's like Donnie's Donnie's making progress in his life. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to see it. I really am. Just because I feel like finally he and Allison are kind of on the same page, so
1: Well, and he's just been such a screw up this this past season in particular. It's nice for him to kind of do something right, even if it's in the more illegal side of things. Yes.
0: <laughs> True.
1: But, but you know, we have had this sort of threat of Angie during the season. And I think it's mostly been because of the fact that Allison and then later Donnie, they both done something very illegal. Mm-hmm. Because really, if she finds out about the clone experiment, I don't know that she can necessarily do anything to the clones. But, you know, they have been involved in some shady dealings, and and so definitely she is a major threat to to Allison and Donnie because they've both been involved in
0: these murders. Right. It's one of those things, Angie, I think, just wants to figure out what's going on, but that sort of unfortunately has, I guess, been overshadowed by the fact that Allison and Donnie do actually have things to hide, mm-hmm. or, or Allison specifically, up until recently, of course. So... Angie, of course, is suspicious, but I think she's really just wanting to find out what happened to Beth. Yeah. I mean, that's that's been her stated purpose, her stated goal. So it's just, it's sort of an inconvenient convergence of shady things happening.
1: Because yeah. I, I guess maybe that that Allison and Cosima could be accessories after the fact in regards to Sarah impersonating Beth and and Sarah hiding Katja's body, but really that's more on Sarah. And so it's, it's these other things that really aren't all that related to the fact that there's multiple women who look the same mm-hmm. that really make Angie a threat to Allison and Donnie. Right. So I don't know where Angie's going to go from here. If she's going to heed Donnie's advice, especially now that he has a picture of her and is threatening to blackmail her.
0: <laughs> Vic during that picture. <laughs> uh, 'Cause he posed. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> but Donnie found his spine, which apparently made him super attractive to Allison, and they get nasty. Allison finally does the nasty.
0: <laughs> Did you see that that the official OB Tumblr had I don't remember if they posted or if they reblogged it, but it was some the quote I don't believe I've ever done the nasty. And then it was attributed to not Allison anymore. (laughs) Nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they were Allison and Donnie. They were just a really nice comedic relief in this fairly heavy episode. And, you know, their, their storyline was a, was a bit separate from the rest, but at the same time, I, I still felt like it was important.
0: It is. And it's one of those things I think we've talked before. It's, Something the show is really good at where there's all this really heavy stuff going on, like emotionally heavy stuff. So it is nice that they have a little bit of a comedic counterpoint to give you a rest, even if it is a dark comedy in which they try to hide a body. Also, there was Donnie Bum. Oh,
1: yes! They did. Because I remember in an episode, in a interview with John and Graham toward the beginning of the season, they did say something about seeing different people's bums this season. And I was kind of sitting here waiting, because I think all we've seen is Jordan Gaviris's bum
0: mm-hmm.
1: thus far. And I was like, we saw that last season, all the time. <laughs> Do
0: you not want to see it anymore?
1: No, I'm not saying like, no, <laughs> I'm teasing. Is. I'm
0: teasing, I'm teasing. You know, here you said you thought of me when there was gun safety. Uh-huh. I thought of you when I saw Donnie's bum.
1: <laughs> I'm like, oh, Fantastic. good. Stephanie
0: will be so happy. <laughs>
1: I just felt like they had made this promise and had yet to fill it but we did get a different bum this 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 episode because we got tawny bum
0: yes i just i remembered you lamenting about it a week or two ago it's like (laughs) where are the other bums they promised us other bums there you go (laughs) bam congratulations
1: (laughs) thank you thank you i feel better now i feel like i haven't been lied to anymore so I thought it was really nice that we got a vid chat between all of Clone Club. It feels like we just re- haven't had as many scenes with Alison Kassima and Sarah this season, and I—I I don't know. It just—it warmed my heart that we got a a vid chat between the three of them this episode.
0: It was nice. I don't think we've had all three of them on a Skype call since the first episode.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Where they were talking after the the gut arrived, and you know, yes. Oh, that looks nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Allison.
1: But, you know, just Allison crying about about Kasima and Kasima joking and Sarah, like, smiling and, you know, Kasima entreating Allison not to be all weepy about it. And it was just it was a really nice little scene between the three of them, I thought.
0: Yes. I feel much better talking to you guys. Aww. It's so sisterly. They're so sisterly now and it makes me so happy. Hmm. I have feelings, you guys. I know, I do too. But there's still no Paul this
1: week. I'm thinking we have to see him next week. It's the premiere, or sorry, it's the finale. So <laughs> it's
0: the opposite of that.
1: <laughs> I, I know, I was that was my hopeful side coming out. So surely he, he must be in next week's episode. He has to be. So yeah, it's only been... A couple episodes since we've seen him, because he was was in episode 207, Knowledge of Causes and Secret Motion of Things. But Paul's been very scarce this season.
0: He has, and it's been kind of weird. (laughs) For me, for some reason. Uh, Although we did get information about him last episode. Yes. So, I think we have to see him next week. Because they need to follow up on that before the season ends.
1: Because we have Tony, who came last week and told us that... Paul's essentially a good guy, it seems like. And I'm wondering how he's going to be reintroduced into the story since he's gone missing from from Dyad's radar. Right. I'm wondering if he'll be involved in the whole getting Kira back plot. Or, uh, yeah, I'm just really curious how he's going to reenter the story now that he seems to have gone
0: AWOL, for lack of a better word, on Dyad. Right. And the fact that he seems to have disappeared so completely based on what Rachel was saying... In 208.
1: hmm And then we had... We, Felix was in this week's episode, but not a whole lot of Felix. He was mostly in, in Uncle Felix mode, uh, trying to protect Kira and being very cute and supportive to Sarah. Right. And I thought he looked really good this week. He did. He usually does. He usually does, but I thought he looked especially good this week. I think you and I prefer, like, casual Felix. I guess so, because he's just been wearing sweaters past couple of weeks right just
0: like sweaters and jeans and Mm -hmm. hair not particularly done up
1: yeah and he looked
0: really good he did and we got a lot of feedback this week so thank you to everybody who sent us feedback from annette she says okay so now i'm on board with delphine she was clearly tricked by rachel prior to this i was not a delphine fan because i did not trust her I know Helena will come back to Sarah and take care of business. The scene that broke my heart and I cannot get out of my head. Sarah with Kira during the medical procedure and Sarah who has captured my heart. I always liked her, but I was not truly invested in her until I think it was season two, episode six. So that makes me happy to hear that
1: Annette is now a on board with Delphine uh, and is super invested in Sarah. Yay. Yes. And, and hopefully that, that might, that might make Avery happy. Avery sent us quite a bit of feedback. We're going to read a bit of, of what she sent us here in a bit. And she was, she was hoping that now people would, would maybe be on board with Delphine and realize she could be trusted. So at least one person was, was converted to trusting Delphine by this episode.
0: We got a lot of Delphine feedback this week.
1: We did. We got a lot of Delphine feedback. I wonder why. It's like people know that we
0: have strong Delphine feelings. I know. We, and we usually hide that so well. Dull feelings? (laughs) I like it.
1: From Val, Val says, I totally didn't catch the Rachel posing as Sarah part. Damn it, you'd think I'd know by now when one of them does a switcheroo. When the hell will I learn? Did everyone notice right off? One reason I didn't catch on was because she just looked like Sarah. Nothing was really off in that respect. Then on rewatch, I did hear the Rachel accent slip in there. I didn't know immediately. I didn't either, but I, I did hear the accent slip when she was over Kira. And I was like, Oh, that sounds more like, like Rachel than Sarah there, Tatiana. That's kind of, mm. And that, at that moment, <laughs> I should have checked myself and realized that I should always trust in Tatiana Maslani. that that was intentional on her part and
0: not an accent. Sorry. And not an accident. It was an accent. <laughs> it was an accent slip. But it was not an accidental accent slip. Accent slip.
1: And then
0: I was kicking myself. It's like, oh, I should have known. Accidental accent would make a good band name. It would.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I always kick myself because really, the show doesn't try to be too tricky about it. Like, after it was clear she was Rachel, not Sarah, I was looking at her and she had Rachel's makeup. Like the really kind of lavender eyeliner and everything, she still was in the same makeup that that they put on Tatiana for for Rachel. They didn't put like Sarah's smudged eyeliner and stuff on her. But you know, and it just makes me realize how easily I accept the main markers of a character, like their
0: wardrobe and their hair, etc. Mm-hmm. Just like, ah, I feel so dumb. Well, because here's the thing too: her hair is different than Sarah's hair, but it's such a subtle thing that you don't necessarily think about it until you know. Mm-hmm. because her hair is extra curly. Her hair curly. is much nicer than Sarah's hair usually is.
1: Yes, her hair looked more, the wig that she was wearing, it was a lot more styled than than Sarah's hair usually is. Hair, Sarah's hair is a bit more carefree.
0: I think Sarah does her hair the way I do my hair, which is I wash it and I brush it and I leave it. <laughs>
1: That's how I do my hair, too.
0: <laughs> so basically, it just kind of always looks a little, a little windblown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, but yes, it was one of those things. I think I didn't really pick up on it as she was walking down the hall. Right. But I think as she was in the room with Felix and Kira, there was something as she was – I think it was maybe as she was scooping up Kira, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Which I think I actually said, like, at at the same time that Felix's phone rang and it was Sarah. Mm Mm-hmm. So – yeah, I I caught it, but I caught it later than I feel like I should have. Because, yeah, her accent does slip as she's talking to Mrs. S. Mm-hmm. When she's walking down the hall, too. Yep. It's like, oh, nope, she sounds like Rachel and not Sarah. And is walking more like Rachel trying to be Sarah. than Anyway, such is the wonder of Tatiana Masane.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing the amount of, of detail that she puts into these characters and these characters pretending to be other
0: characters. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. She is quite the mindful, thoughtful actor. And it's wonderful. So Avery,
1: this is only a piece of what, what Avery sent in. Avery had a lot of thoughts. I'm sorry, we could not include them all. But I thought this part was particularly interesting. She said, I've seen a lot of people asking why they didn't use Sarah's bone marrow instead of baby badasses. So I looked into it as I didn't know the exact reason. In case you're curious like me, it's because after a certain age, cells aren't as effective. I found this on the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine site. Quote, adult stem cells are extremely valuable and have great potential for future therapies. However, these cells are very restricted in what they can do. Blood-forming stem cells can treat some blood diseases, and brain stem cells may be able to treat some neural diseases, but those cells can't turn into other tissue types. What's more, adult stem cells don't grow indefinitely in the lab, unlike embryonic stem cells, and they aren't as flexible in the types of diseases that they can
0: treat. So in other words, they're not pluripotent, as they've been talking about before.
1: So the fact that Kiro is, is younger, and I also think it was probably beneficial that they used... Not not the clone's exact DNA sequence, but somebody who, but an offspring, because even though Sarah isn't infertile, I don't know that they know for certain, they don't know why she's not infertile,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: whether she might not have de- had the potential to develop the same disease that the, that Kasima and Katja and Jennifer did. So, I don't know. It made sense to me that they wouldn't necessarily just want to use Sarah, or for that case, Helena's bone marrow, even though they weren't infertile right and then davia davia i you need to tell us how to say your name <laughs> wrote in and she says i don't know which notion scares me more rachel kidnapping kira to be her daughter or rachel kidnapping kira to experiment on her someone is definitely psycho and it is not helena i felt so sorry for helena when henrik had her in the stirrups and had to explain the cervix to her but she a 30 year old woman had no idea what he was saying these Prolethians are scary and and yeah, if if the implantation scene was not disturbing enough... It was. ...the fact that Helena had to ask, you know, what's a cervix, just, you know, doubly highlighted how inappropriate what he's doing is.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we ended the first season with with Helena sort of asking, pleading a little bit with Amelia to explain to her how the scientists put the babies in her belly... So, I mean, not surprising that the Proletheans wouldn't be big on sex ed. So, I mean, it's not surprising to me that Helena doesn't know these things. Also, it's not like we've seen her spend any time on the internet or anything to find these things out for herself. So, I wonder if Helena can
1: use the internet. That's interesting to think about. She did make a video. That's true. So she's not technologically unsavvy. Right. But I just can't imagine Helena being like, I should Google this, you know?
0: <laughs> I know. That would be an excellent episode. I would watch I would watch the heck out of that episode. Helena Googles things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Helena discovers Google? That could be a pretty good little, like, C-plot for a future episode.
0: <sighs> Helena looks up cat memes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she discovers her own.
0: <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you're referring to but yes <laughs> but yeah and oh going back to Helena, because i forgot to mention this earlier <laughs> you notice that the little girl that she's making faces at at the Prolethian compound that little girl is holding a stuffed sheep bah oh i didn't notice that bah nice <laughs>
1: i also did like that she made oinking noises at the midwife i love that too in the episode Yes, Helena and her animal metaphors are very strong.
0: Brood mares, oinking noises. Helena's the best, you guys. And then we got an email from Brooke. I was disturbed but pretty thrilled to see Helena give him what he deserved. Talking about Henrik. Does that make me a horrible person too, Chris? Then there is the implantation of the eggs in Gracie as well. I was not surprised that they were fertilized by Henrik, but had hoped that he wouldn't do that to his daughter. I think that the young children are all biologically his, but not their brood mares. They're just his followers, his sheep. So for him to do that to his true daughter is another level of demented.
1: And I gotta say, I'm still a little unclear of what exactly was going on at the compound. I, I, I mean, it seemed like they were suggesting that Henrik had fathered a lot of children. But at the same time... When he mentions to Mark, you know, oh, it's time for Gracie to have children. Are you going to be her husband? He was surprised later that the the eggs that Henrik put inside of, of Gracie were f- that he had fertilized them. So I don't know if it was supposed to be that Henrik had fathered all of the children or not. Did he seem surprised about that? Well, he did. He's like, I, why, I can't believe you do that to your own daughter. Doesn't he say that right before Helena starts to choke him?
0: I don't remember now.
1: I think he does. Okay. He seems... he. I, I recall very clearly that he was surprised at Henrik for doing that to Gracie. Okay. But I've only seen the episode once, so I could be wrong. Okay. I'm sorry, what
0: was the question? Was that your sense, that Henrik was the father of, of all of the children? Oh. um, I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. It was one of those things I think they left it open to interpretation, there is a strong suggestion that he is at least father of a lot of them. I think reinforced by the fact that we knew that the one woman—I don't remember if they ever gave it, gave her a name—the the woman who is Gracie's mother has been prominent in the Prolethian scenes, the in in their group, and then she sort of was standing right there in the group when and participated in Henrik's hand-fasting to Helena. So there's, there is implied polygamy going on there, too. So it wouldn't surprise me, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Right. In an email from Janice, she says... Much has been written about the corner that the writers were put themselves in if they allow Kasima to live and the dangers of catering to the wishes of viewers. It just seems that in this instance, we have a character that is adorably cute and lovable to the point where viewers may not really see the character at hand. It would not surprise me one bit if the writers used the popularity of, of Kofiin to create a ginormous cliffhanger at the end of season two as to Kasima's status. And I am curious what direction they're going to go with Kasima's health, because this is something to create dramatic tension, that they've used this idea of the clones could possibly get sick, and we do have Cosima being sick. Mm-hmm. And so I could see the why they might not want to get rid of that dramatic tension, but I'm wondering if they're going to use Kira's bone marrow as a stopgap, and then still have this can duncan figure out how to engineer a a gene therapy for the clones so they won't get sick in the third season
3: Mm -hmm.
0: that sounds feasible to me yeah i'm i don't know i'm not remotely certain how they're going to resolve this or if they're going to resolve this storyline this season yeah i'll be very upset
1: if they kill Casima.
0: i think a lot of us will be yeah
1: for many reasons i will be upset if they if they kill kasima
0: right yeah i'm i'm not sure i don't think it would necessarily be catering to viewers if they don't kill her mhm i don't know i mean some there are a lot of tv writers who would actually follow through on it for that reason you know mhm a lot of tv writers who like to make it hurt Ahem, <clears throat> Joss Whedon. I was going to leave it open, but yes. Yes, Joss Whedon. <laughs> He's not the only one. Not remotely. No. But. No.
1: Actually, I don't know that this is a time when Joss Whedon would strike. Because,
0: because he wants it to, like... Right. He, I mean, she's been sick for a while. You've been worried yeah. about it. Yeah. Joss Whedon would, like, so, kill off Delphine right now.
1: Yes. Or he would let Cosima get better and then uh, kill her like midway through season three, when we weren't expecting it.
0: Like he did with Joyce. Like he did with Joyce. We're still mad about Joyce.
1: (laughs) And Tara, we're mad about a lot of things. (laughs) We are mad
0: about about a lot
1: of things. (sighs) But anyway, I have a love-hate relationship with Joss Whedon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people do. It's kind of interesting. I've seen at least a couple people theorize that they might kill Delphine. Hmm. In the next episode. I hope they don't.
1: Yeah. I really want Delphine to come back fighting because she's been, you know, manipulated and used a couple of times now. Mm -hmm. And I really would like for her to come back like Donnie has and sort of rebound, find kind of her spine and and be able to stand up for herself and the women and the clones that she loves you know right and but see so. i think
0: that's part of what everybody's sort of speculating about that that's going to get see, her i kill. think we're all like traumatized joss whedon fans here because <laughs> i've seen this pop up a couple times at least where people think like you know just wait delphine's gonna you know come back swinging and and fighting and you know maybe earn the trust of felix and sarah and everybody and then she's gonna die which, yeah, sounds like traumatized Joss Whedon fans to me.
1: Yeah. I hope not, but we'll see. My my main goal for Delphine, though, is I would like for her to stand up for herself and and come back at Rachel with, with something.
0: Right. I guess the thing that is giving me hope, but also anxiety, is that the Orphan Black writers thus far don't really follow conventions like that, mm-hmm. or at least not not that much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't... I have such a hard time predicting anything that's going to happen or which way things will go with this show. So
1: it's true because I thought that they were really going to humanize and make us sympathize with Rachel, and that is not the route that they have taken this far. So yeah, I agree. It's 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 difficult to predict what they're going to do. So I I actually really try not to. I wonder about it, but I try not to like form any really for firm predictions because of that fact.
0: Yeah, me too. That was I kept saying that since we started the podcast, like, I'm going to try not to speculate about things. Because I mean, a lot of people seem to want speculation about what'll, at the time, what was going to happen in season two. And I'm just like, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I have literally no idea. And then we went ahead and did a speculation episode. And I probably look really stupid if we go back and listen to it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got an email from Joe. We have heard that the human cloning project was originally initiated by the military before it was abandoned and then taken over by the Dyad. Maybe there's something to the idea of creating super soldiers after all. This theory has been around for a while. Not only the clones' fertility would be beneficial to that cause, but also their general disposition. While all our clones are wildly different, they all display some form of emotional disconnection and also ferociousness and that's true. I don't know if it was necessarily a super soldier situation. It could be. Yeah, that is one big thing that that I was
1: that I've been disappointed in the season because, you know, Sarah gets to Ethan Duncan and she's like, you know, what was the purpose of this project and all he's all he says is, you know, girls, we wanted to make lots of little girls. It's proof of concept.
0: I believe is what he says, too.
1: Okay. But yeah, I feel like we still don't have a good sense of what the point was. I mean, I guess when you're saying lots of little girls, there's an implication that you might want to have something to do with fertility. But at least this batch of clones were designed to be infertile. So I'm I'm unclear still as to what the purpose was, even though we've, we've met one of the main creators of the project.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole proof of concept thing strongly implies that it's one of those things that they basically created them to see if they could, because they had sort of, I mean, we don't know what the original task was that they were set with by the military. So it's possible that all of this was for the purpose of creating super soldiers. We really don't know one way or the other. And Joe also mentions in, in her email that a lot of the, the traits that the clone shares, being sort of emotionally disconnected and and fiercely protective are arguably traits that you would want in super soldiers. But it's one of those things, I hesitate to attribute them to that because we've also seen in most of the cases a lot of things in their history that would prompt that reaction. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's a question of nature versus nurture there, yeah. Right. Because it could be something that is genetically inherent in them. But there's also a lot of stuff in the way that they were raised that would have caused those things, too. So I'm hesitant to say one way or the other. But it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) As with most things on this show, it is possible.
1: And then we just had a brief comment from Jenny, who said, I had to pause my episode watching to comment pigtails and dark makeup on S. Is she supposed to look like Wednesday Adams?" And I had the exact same thought <laughs> when she popped up on screen. It's like she looks like Wednesday Adams. It was an interesting look for Mrs. S. I didn't mind the little braid so much, but the dark lipstick on her and the blazer—it was just very a very different look
0: for her wardrobe and makeup-wise. Maybe she heard that we were calling her international badass and thought that she would, you know, make it a little fun this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Although I will say that there is one shot where she's talking to Delphine and she's lit in such a way that her lipstick doesn't look that dark. So I don't know what the deal is. It looks perfectly fine and sort of like a mid-range tone, I guess. I don't know.
1: We also got several voice messages from people this week. Thank you so much to those who sent those in. And here is the first one from Kat.
4: Hi, Chris and Stephanie. My name is Kat, and I'm Tumblr user Jethro Kane. Um I was listening to your most recent podcast about variable and full of perturbation, and I really liked your theory about Paul's involvement with the military and dyad and how that all links together. And another person I immediately thought of was Cal, and how even though he wasn't involved with the military directly like Paul was, it seems that he did supply technology to the military, and he did have some connection. And... There is dirt on him, definitely, because I think they used his... What what it sounded like to me was they used his um, harmless invention to do harm. So they have dirt on him, definitely. Do you think that Paul and Cal might have somehow both been in on it, both known about the clones, maybe met up, maybe both of Sarah's hotties are doing something together, come back with some dramatic reveal? I don't even know. What do you think... Um, about the fact that they both have sort of disappeared in the past episode, and they're both people who have had some very distinct like problems in their past related to the military. I just wanted to know what you think and whether you think Cal knows or not. Um, thanks for listening, and I love the show, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.
0: So it hadn't crossed my mind that Cal and Paul might be working together. But again, it's Orphan Black. You never know. It could be. To me, Cal's story of his invention that got bought and repurposed by the military sort of mirrors the situation with Project Lita, since Project Lita was started by the military and then sort of got taken over by Dyad or bought out or whatever happened. So to me, it's sort of more of a commentary on the relationship between the military and innovation, which is something you see a lot of or or, like NASA develops a lot of stuff that then gets sort of spread to the people. You know what I mean? Like Velcro? Mm -hmm. Right. Or Tang.
1: (laughs) Thank goodness for Tang. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get the sense that cal would be interested in being involved in the military it seemed like his relationship with his company ended because of the military Mm -hmm. so i that didn't that didn't occur to me but again yeah it is it is possible you never know i i do think and i and i hope that we will see him next episode so we'll see maybe he and paul will come back together because they've been plotting because you never know
0: (laughs) this show you guys
1: and then we also got a voice message from bob
3: Hi, this is Bob DeGrand, and these are my first impressions, watching things that have never yet been done. I'm terrified of what Lena might do. I don't like the Prolethean's chances. As I do a Dexter podcast, the Dexter cast, I was really delighted to hear Allison say, have you ever seen Dexter? I thought that Dexter could have really helped them out with plastic wrap in the last episode. Hearers should make all the decisions for these adults. Donnie with a jackhammer is hilarious. They are using ancient technology to read those floppies. The 6502 processor that Scott tried and failed to get was in the original Apple II. Does anyone else find the Perletheans having that many children around really scary? Donnie threatening Angie is great. Helena's going to kill Henrik, isn't she? I'm surprised that Rachel is so good at impersonating a human being. But if it's just her and Kira one-on-one, I don't like Rachel's chances. I'm really looking forward to hearing the podcast and hoping for a Buffy reference.
0: Okay, so first off, Bob, I'm glad you like the Buffy references. I I guess we sort of mentioned Buffy a little bit, but mostly Joss Whedon, because damn it, Joss Whedon! (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody would probably be better off if they did let kira make all the decisions
1: though if you want a just we or a buffy reference a more specific buffy reference i did see somebody on on twitter who i believe her handle is marie and her and her username is is morgendorfer who was comparing kira to dawn in that kira's sort of kidnapping is a big Motivated for people in Orphan Black, the way that Dawn getting kidnapped by people was in, in Buffy. To which I replied, wait a minute, wait a minute. But Kira is awesome and not annoying. And, and Dawn was neither of those things when she was first introduced, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stephanie has strong feelings about Dawn, you guys.
1: I do, I do. She really irritates me in season five.
0: Then we also got a voicemail from Rebecca. Hey,
2: guys. Um... A complete shock. I loved the episode. Um, It was intense and amazing and pretty much everything that a usual Orphan Black episode is. Um, I could spend this entire recording talking about how much I loved it, um, what I think is going to happen, so on and so on. Um, But instead, I think I'm going to focus this minute and a half and talk about Dr. Delphine because she's lovely, and who doesn't want to talk about Delphine? Um, this episode, I feel like, kind really reinforced um, which side she's on, and that is Cosima's. Um, I feel like previously we've kind of seen her as this driven, ambitious character, um, especially scientifically speaking. Um, and in this episode, she got handed a big promotion on a silver platter, and she took it, but she didn't let that overshadow her goals and her feelings um she helped sarah because it was sarah because she promised to love all of them and um, helping sarah didn't even have to do with Cassima and she did it and i don't know delphine is wonderful <laughs> um and i trust delphine and i don't know why anyone wouldn't or doesn't they're crazy okay i'm done goodbye that was fun
0: as you may have noticed we
1: love delphine too Lots of lots of Delphine commentary this week because
0: poor Delphine. Delphine crying, I, I just ah, uh, it hurts. She feels so bad. She was trying to do the right
1: thing. Ugh. There's crying in this episode and it all gets to be, all of it.
0: Me too. Even Rachel? When does Rachel cry? It might be in her mind, but there is a shot oh. of Rachel with tears streaming down her face.
1: Okay. I remember that now. Yeah, okay, that wind didn't get to me so much, but okay. But the things that actually happened—the Sarah and the Delphine crying—they really got to me this up this this week. And then we wanted to conclude with some wild predictions from Colby because they made us smile, and he says Casima will respond to the stem cell treatments from Kira's bone marrow. Allison and her newly badass husband join forces with Helena to rescue Kira, shake some sense into Rachel, and launch a first concerted clone club offensive against Dyad and Marion Bowles. Paul will do something good, maybe in alliance with Cal or Bark. We'll find out that Siobhan is ultimately good, but was unknowingly complicit in the laboratory bombing that killed Susan Duncan. This was her Afghanistan and the reason why she's been so cagey. Helena has been carrying around a liquid nitrogen de-doer? Containing her eggs, which old Henrik stole from her, she'll offer these to Allison and Cosima, and after doing some investigations of his own, Tony will return at the end with a still-living Beth Childs in tow. What Beth reveals will be something mind-blowing and will be the basis of of the finale cliffhanger. Parentheses, Cosima at Death's Door would be too cliche, right? Right?
0: (laughs) God, I hope so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And I don't think a lot of these are too wild. I didn't think so either. Yeah, but I I like some of them. I don't know if any of them will actually happen. But I I think that there's there's some basis to a lot of these. I agree. I like the idea that Mrs. S was maybe unknowingly complicit in the laboratory bombing.
0: Right. I think we talked about that at some point, since we know the environment that she came from in Brixton and the political atmosphere there at the time.
1: Because we know she was involved in an organization that was political in nature, wasn't necessarily afraid to use some violence. And yeah, so I really like this idea that maybe young Siobhan, thinking that she was striking a blow against something horrible and bad, accidentally was responsible for killing a woman who was trying to undo the
0: experiment. Right. Although we do know that Leaky was involved in that. Or, I guess, do we know that, though, for sure? Well, he,
1: all Duncan, Ethan Duncan says is that Leaky killed my Susan. It's possible that he orchestrated events and not necessarily got his hands dirty in the doing. Mm -hmm.
0: But then it's also, well, how does Ethan Duncan know that? Or is Ethan Duncan supposing that? But now I'm making things overly complicated.
1: So I like that idea. I think definitely the the, uh, Helena's fertilized eggs are going to be important in regards to the cure for Kasima and the other clones who might experience respiratory illness
0: in the future. It does seem likely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think that
1: that Colby's predictions are all that wild. I like them. Mm-hmm.
0: Although I don't know that Allison and Donnie will join forces with Helena to rescue Kira.
1: I see more Helena going in solo on that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe working with Sarah a little bit, but I, I kind of see Helena being more solo in, in that regard
0: i'm not so sure helena and allison and donnie would get along that well
1: no no but and and i do maybe this is a, a point to mention my my friend melanie who is a big fan of the show she has actually been predicting that helena might sacrifice herself to save kira at some point point. Mm-hmm. and so maybe maybe that is a potential thing that might happen in the next episode
0: not that i
2: hmm. want helena to die no but
0: I hope that doesn't happen, <laughs> obviously. In case you hadn't noticed, I really like Helena. I love her, in I know. Fact. <laughs> I know. I like her, too. But I could
1: totally see her doing that, though. Yes. So thank you again to everybody who sent us all of that feedback. We would love to hear your thoughts and theories about the show. You can send us that feedback by sending an email to feedback at tatiana com. You can also go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 37. You can also send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the website. You can also follow us on Twitter at TIE podcast, and we are
0: also on Facebook as Tatiana is Everyone. And this week, the stuffed sheep, the pink duct tape, the patterned shower curtain, and the crying puppy were played by Tatiana Masani. Thanks for listening.